This is the California Hiking Podcast, where we talk about the wilderness, trails, and people who hike in the Golden State. Today, my guest is James McBrien. We just wanted to get together today to talk about a little bit uh, about California and uh, hiking in California, backpacking. Uh, James does a lot of group back, uh, group organizing, so many of the trips that I've been on with him uh, have been with groups of uh, five and six people. Um, always a really good group of people that he brings together. Uh, James and I originally met in New Zealand. James, do you want to tell a little bit about that story? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was about, I think, probably like eight years ago. Um, you know, I was on my honeymoon. Nick, I think you were on your proposal uh, trip <laughs> with your current wife, and uh, we were both hiking the Rupern Track, which is one of the great hikes in the South Island of New Zealand. And we were both staying at a hut, and we just ran into each other and, you know, connected on Facebook. And many years later, uh, I think just like two or three years late, uh, recently, uh, we connected and our lives overlap now that we both live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of hikes. I remember that first one was the, uh, we went out to uh, Alamere Falls on Point Reyes. Uh, and I tried to get a group together for that. And it uh, it started, uh, the weather started looking worse and worse. And I knew it was going to be kind of a disaster. Um, and, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to head on out and just make it a day hike. Who still wants to join me? And you, you jumped right in. And that was really the first conversation we'd had since New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Like an eight-hour trip, yeah. Yeah, and I I just want to clarify to Alamere Falls. Like we started at uh, Five Brooks Trailhead, we we hiked over there. We went through like the Wildcat entrance, and then uh, and then we went through High Tide and got soaked by the ocean waves getting over to Alamere Falls (laughs) and hiking back up and sogging what shoes the rest of the hike back up the mountain. So. Alamere Falls can be a very simple flat hike, but we decided to choose yeah. something that was that that our wives would not have recommended us doing. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that was a raging day too. The the falls were just going nuts, uh, and I remember you several times saying the uh, saying something along the lines of your wife would not be pleased with the with these risks that I was getting you into. But <laughs> but that's great. Um. Cool. So, hey, I just I, I wanted to ask you today about group organizing because um, you've, like I mentioned, you've got these big trips that are, uh, you know, sometimes six. I remember there was one that I wasn't able to go on that had like 20 people for Camp McPuddin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just kind of want to know why why do you come up with those large groups? What is it that, that draws you to a larger group of people? And uh, and how does that, uh, you know, how, how does that work? How do you get that group of people? together that that always works out so well yeah yeah i mean great question i think group organizing is uh you know it has its pros and cons basically and you know on the the pro side is you get a bunch of amazing people um to interact for like a weekend or or multiple days and you know just in the normal day-to-day it's it's just so hard to get with anybody for more than a few hours every month um sometimes and so really love that aspect to it. Um, but then of course the con is like, you know, it's, it's a lot to organize. It's a lot of work. There's a lot more layers of dynamics and, uh, just logistics of, of making it happen. And of course, when you're out in the backcountry, your impact is way larger. Like just not only your footprint when you're at campsites and on trails, just the, the noise that you make, the, the visual sight of seeing like a, you know, just a, 
group of people all hiking <laughs> together. So there's definitely pros and, and cons to, to group organizing. How do you deal with that large, uh, large impact that people can have there? Is it something yeah. using the site or, or is there more to it than that? Oh, it's just so challenging. It, it, it depends on what type of trip it is. Um, I think with, you know, car camping sites, um, I think Camp McPuddin you were referring to, that was like my, my birthday party. I just kind of like simulated a summer, like a summer camp um, thing for my birthday. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, with those, it's to reduce your impact at those, you know, there's always hours to respect, you know, having a set form of rules, just like any summer camp. And at the end is always to do what I like to do, kind of like a just kind of do a, a walking line and just pick up all the trash, leaving the place better than you than when than when you came. So picking up trash that, that you weren't even responsible for. So I think that is a really important principle with just not only camping, but especially with backpacking. Um, backpacking and reducing your impact is a little bit more challenging because you have people coming in of all different experiences, all different philosophies and values of how to um, interact with the environment and. I've been organizing a bunch of adults um, for the past decade, and organizing adults is difficult because adults they don't they don't want to be told what to do, and uh, to 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 impose rules on individuals in advance is you know sometimes cramps their styles or that's just not what they're in the outdoors for. So it really depends on the group, but with the groups that I usually go with, um, I always make sure that. I like to do leave no trace when we're when we're out backpacking, picking up trash as we're going, um, and kind of just like etiquette around, um, especially like using the facilities and the outdoors, um, how to how to do that, and will people do all of those things? I don't know, but I at least like to create a, a general baseline so we're mostly on the same page um, when it comes to just I guess especially trash and noise basically. Now, you've talked in the past about uh, trying to get together a really good group of people for a specific type of hike. Like, I know, um, you know, that with you and me and Constantine went uh, and did that section of the PCT in Big Bear uh, in the winter uh, that, uh, yeah, that ended up like we knew all three of us could just pound out miles. Uh, but then there have been some other ones where you've gotten like like nine guys together for the Lost Coast. Um, and can you talk a little bit about how you chose those people? Because I know you kind of curate who goes on the trip with you. Yeah, so it's it's very challenging to, to create a curated group. The larger you get, the harder it is. So I think one trip I did, um, it was to the Jenny Lakes Wilderness. Um, there were just so many people. I think it was over 20 people. Um, and it, you know, the impact was massive, and it was just anybody who wanted to go, kind of thing. Um, but then the the Lost Coast trip, you said with nine people, you know, it was a more select group of people there. Um, I always describe the mileage in advance and the terrain as well, and give them give everybody a disclaimer that how I perceive things as hard is like, if I say things are like, it's like, oh yeah, this is really good. Like this is this is gonna be a good hike. That that means it's usually gonna be hard. If I say it's gonna be like easy peasy, it's probably still gonna be a little hard. Um, and so I just give people kind of like my disclaimer of that. And so I kind of, I want to say try to scare people off intentionally, but I I want people to know kind of what's being expected of them baseline, what my training program is gonna be like to get there as well, uh -huh. and. 
but even with those disclaimers and even with the training, people could still sign up not really having read them and people can still sign up without, uh, you know, and these are all my friends, by the way, without like doing the training. And when you get there, you know, the kind of the, the rubber hits the road and you can kind of assess with each individual, like, it's like how much training was needed. So it's, it's always a, it's always a challenge. Um, but I think to create the most curated group um, of people in terms of you're trying to excel at hiking performance, you want to find people who are training all of the time. It's kind of like in their nature, basically. Um, so like when we did the PCT hike, um, or por the portion of it, you, Constantine and I, uh, you know, we are people that are always training, you know, all the time and um, we could just get out and go. I think I was actually sore from weightlifting the, the two days beforehand, which is right. never recommended to go weightlift and blow out your quads before a grueling hike. It's not, <laughs> not suggested. Um, but yeah, on the other side is there's an, that's focused on performance. And sometimes you want to focus on just like getting people together. And so yeah. you can put a bunch of disclaimers out there. Um, like on the Lost Coast, like we ended up dividing into three different groups. I mean, everyone was was very fit that went, but everyone had different hiking styles, and there's three different groups. There was like the really fast group, um, there was um, the middle group, and then there was like I would say the normal pace group. And so we all did our paces, and we we all set you know when we we're gonna meet up with each other and, and set expectations there, and made sure everyone had either a GPS device or a map, uh, but to make sure to coordinate that in advance, because I've been in groups where we don't coordinate in, that in advance. And if you're just hiking for hours, you can easily kind of separate and uh, just lose each other. And that's that's never any, and never any good when that happens. Right, I've definitely run into that before where you end up uh, with somebody who's expecting one thing from the trip and you're, you kind of think something else is going on, you know, and I've, I've felt like it was totally fine for me to take off ahead and all of a sudden then we get to camp and and when that other person catches up or other small group of people catches up they're kind of angry that that you left them behind um and so yeah i agree it's really good to, to set those out in advance yeah sure. and all and i think things. that's one that's one of the dynamics which i think is the most challenging is when you get with the group of people and it kind of naturally stratifies to like who can go faster and who's going a little bit slower, you know, it just creates a dynamic where, you know, the people behind don't want to hold the people that are faster back and the people that are faster don't want to like, you know, make the people that are behind, you know, feel really far behind. And I think that creates a, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a dynamic. And yeah. um, I think it's always good to kind of set those expectations up in advance and just to make sure everyone's okay and fine with it. And, for for me, I, I haven't perfected that yet. I, I usually focus more on including more people rather than focusing on the maximum enjoyment of, of the people that are there. But um, I'm more about that inclusivity factor. Um, but, you know, that's something that always needs to be worked on. But I think having expectations clear in advance so it, it doesn't have that weird dynamic is always better. So speaking of that, that inclusivity, um, you know, one of the things that I've known when I've tried to create larger groups in the past, is often I'll have a lot of people show interest right up front. Mm -hmm. uh, but as we start to get closer and closer to the date, more and more people drop out. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's very few people are left over. Um, yep. Or sometimes it'll just be my wife and I yep. uh, going on a trip. So how do you how do you get that buy-in um, and that follow-through with people? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, that's that's actually something that I've been trying to work on a lot, and it's uh, I don't actually for my trips get too many people bailing on my trips um, because I try to approach it in a specific way. Um, so I think one is I think it's important to find a critical mass of individuals who, if the trip is uh, if everybody bails, as long as those people go, you as the organizer will still have a great time. So I think that sets yourself up for success. Um, for example, like there, there is a, I think let's say the Lost Coast trip that we went on last year. I think I, I think I messaged you and Constantine. Um, like, were you guys? Was Constantine there? Yeah, he was there. <laughs> I'm getting my trips mixed up. Um, but yeah, it's like, are you guys down to go? Because I know if I hike with you guys, it's just going to be like we could just plow through it. And then once you get a critical mass of people that are going then you kind of like reach out to kind of like the next level to kind of include more individuals. And and I think that's having people plan things in advance is difficult to do. Everyone has like very fluid schedules, but knowing that so many people are going kind of goes like, oh, this is going to be a great time. It's not just James organizing this. Like, no, it's James and like two amazing people. Like this trip is going with or without me. And then what's, I think what's important to say is like, Hey, I only have like X amount of slots available. Like, cause, cause that's how permits are actually, you only have nine permits. And, and usually, you know, when sending them out, I like to reach out to the people that, that I think would be the best fit in the beginning. Uh-huh. And so that, and that really gets people to commit and, you know, just being upfront with that as one and having enough preparation yeah. around that. So I think those are the two things is like having that critical mass and like, and letting people know that there is actually a little bit of sense of urgency around committing to it. And, um, and people, I think once they commit to something, generally people are very just, you know, they usually, they usually stick with it. It's, it's just yeah. a situation where if people are like, Oh, I'm interested. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking about a hike or the, a trip that you recently organized. Like I would, I never really gave you like a, a for sure response. And those yeah. are the ones that will end up falling through. But like, if you get a very clear yes or no, and it may cause everyone to say no, um, but that's okay. And that at least allows, gets, gets people out of that, that middle ground where they, they don't decide until the very last minute. Yeah. Right. Right. Cool. Um, so you, you mentioned earlier on, uh, just how much it, it's about, well, let, let's actually back up a little bit and talk about when, how did you first get in, uh, interested in being in the outdoors and hiking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my dad did a ton of, um, road trips. Um, he brought me out to, uh, you know, all the national parks. And then when I was old enough, I got into, we went to like the San Jacinto area in Southern California, went to Micah camp. Remember I did not like backpacking. I joined Boy Scouts. I went up the Eastern Sierras a few times, about a Bishop Pass area, and it's you know it's like ah oh, this is great, but it's so difficult to do. And just through Boy Scouts, um, I mean I really love Boy Scouts, just the whole leadership experience through it. That's why I joined actually. Um, I was just really into kind of just the whole leadership dynamic they have there. But we would go out to the outdoors once a month. We had a really active troop. It was Troop 36 in a in Irvine, California. And uh, I think what ended up happening because of the leadership dynamic portion of it was as I got older and more experienced, I got to share stuff with other people. I got to share it with the younger scouts or the less experienced individuals. So being the expert in anything and having like a and and having a group of people who are interested in learning that from you is 
really addicting. It is it is such an amazing, fun experience to have. And I think just being on that wave of, of always having a, a group of individuals who I could be working with or being around other scouts who I was inspired by, who I was learning with, created a great dynamic for me to either continue backpacking to teach others or to learn from others as well. And, and I really carry that on after... Um, after you know leaving Boy Scouts, um, I was an Eagle Scout. Got it a little bit after I was 18 years old, and uh, after I graduated college, I just really kept backpacking. Um, I think one of the big reasons is my brother was also really into backpacking. We kind of like connected over that some more, and um, I think that was really in, you know inspiring to just to be in that dynamic again where I was you know hanging out with my brother and you know, sharing what I know about backpacking. He ended up learning a ton about backpacking as well and shared more with me. And then we got this huge groups of people together who were, you know, kind of in their early 20s wanting to get out in the outdoors and, and do all of that stuff. And it was just a, a really fun dynamic to be around. Um, and that lasted for a very long time. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Um, cool. So what's, what's your favorite place that you've been to in California? Oh, favorite place. I mean, there's so many places in California. I would say in terms of backpacking, I always go back uh, to the Sierras, especially the Eastern Sierras, that approach from kind of the Eastern side of the Sierras, like the reliefs are crazy. Like it could be coming up Bishop Pass, Kearsarge Pass. It can be even, can be even going in at Mammoth and just hiking along those ridge lines and hiking through those canyons are, are just amazing. I've done the the John Muir Trail, you know, here and there with different segments like around 3 to 4 times. I did it two times kind of full way through, but you know, I've just been on so many trips over there. So that's like for me the mecca of backpacking in California is just those those high sierras. But I I love the redwoods in California. The there's some protected redwoods like Humboldt Redwood State Park. Um, Redwood National Park. Um, there's a lot of there's Redwood Regional Park. Any okay. of these old redwood groves, and they could even be new growth redwood groves. There's something really magical about those types of forests. I don't know. It just kind of unlocks this like I don't know fantasy elfish fairy <laughs> mindset, Lord of the Rings. I don't know. It's 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 just always so peaceful. Um, and I that's kind of my go-to when I just want to do like a run or a hike is one of those those regional, those parks, those, those groves that are, they're still protected and out there. Yeah. Right. And so you live in the, in the Bay area, um, which does have, we do have a lot of those kind of pockets of places, uh, nearby that have these redwood groves and other things. I'm, I'm just kind of curious about the, um, this interplay between, uh, between city living and getting out into nature. Um, and then also, kind of that work-life thing um you know you spend mm -hmm. a lot of time with your business and your uh, you know you I, I'm sure you use the wilderness as a way to get away um and so kind of how do you how do you decide when it's time for a larger backpacking trip versus just a hike somewhere nearby in the city or yeah a way that you do that or yeah, so I mean I think you know we all backpack for different reasons mine is I like I do it a lot for social reasons and I love being social in the outdoors specifically. Um, I mean, I love the outdoors, but it's, it's very rare to find me going on a solo trip just to get out there. I usually try to like to read kind of just, you know, 
just see how it is um, in the different social groups that I'm part of and see what types of trips people are interested in doing. And, um, and I'm always looking for an excuse to get outdoors. Like I, I plan all the time, but I, the only reason why I bail and cancel on plans is to go backpacking with friends. Like if someone's like, I mean, Nick, you messaged me like the other week and we're like, Hey, let's go hiking. And it's like, let's just go do the Dipsy trail in Marin, you know, from Mill Valley there and back. We yo-yoed it. And I'm just like, okay, I'm leaving my work and doing that. So if I had more friends like you, Nick, I think I would be very, very distracted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I think natural, you know, how natural it is. A lot of people can't get out all the time. And so I end up going out less um, than I could. Um, but that's actually a really good natural balance for me anyways. I still try to get out backpacking um, once a month um, if possible. Um, and if not, if it's not backpacking, then I'm like going out day hiking and pretty long day hikes as well. So and I usually do that, um, you know, with my wife also who, who does backpacking. So I have a bunch of options, but I think at the end of the day, like I'm usually in the outdoors at least two times a month uh, and usually more than that. Um, but it works really well with my work-life balance and yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we both, I feel like are very lucky to have wives who support us in our, our backpacking <laughs> endeavors. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually curious if, uh, did she start out backpacking or is that something that she started into later after you guys had met uh yeah it, after we met um so basically like I had a bunch of hobbies like dancing and and backpacking and and when I met her you know she had you know she was like really loved taking photography she loved dancing as well so um you know we kind of really overlapped there and I think just her draw toward like photography and landscapes um kind of really um kind of overlapped with me and she started getting into backpacking um, because of that. And I think over the course of five years, we just started backpacking, you know, together, maybe, maybe like three to four times a year. And, you know, a few years back, we, uh, we did the JMT together. Like <laughs> I didn't think she was ready for it. She didn't think we were ready. She was ready for it, but <laughs> we just did it in a really high snow year, like a really bad snow year. It was, I think it was 2000, is it 17? Or 18 yeah. one of those years and it was, was I mean, it was one, yeah it was rough um but we just took it day by day and I, I must say I've been backpacking with so many people and so many different groups and all that stuff and being on the JMT with my wife and just going at just the couple's pace and just <laughs> doing it day by day was probably my most one of my most enjoyable backpacking trips there's so many different yeah. dimensions to it but oh that was that was so much fun to do yeah so I, Lindsay and I kind of have a, a a process that we use to make sure that I don't take off. Uh, yeah, it's just very simple. It's uh, when we hike together, I generally hike behind. Um, do you guys do anything like that, or do you how, how do you manage the difference? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think it's hard for me to hike behind. Um, I try to, you know, I end up hiking forward. Um, we, you know, I think we always try to keep eye contact of each other. Um, I also have some kind of uh, like distractions that I can have. Um, like I have a Rubik's cube <laughs> with me oh, that I play with um, yeah. or I have a journal or a book that I can read. So if we're like cruising up a pass, basically, I just I just take off um, sometimes. Yeah. Um, so that's that's how it is when it's on like normal hiking. But when when the terrain's a little bit more iffy, um, I definitely stay 
you know, a lot closer um, to my wife, Jolie, and, um, and yeah, and, and, and I, I'm a person that just doesn't take breaks at the moment with hiking. I just like, yeah, just like really just like to hike and just keep going and keep going and keep going. So I think that's one of the balances that, that we've had to do as well as like, you know, making sure it's very clear, like, Hey, take breaks at any time. I'm completely fine with taking breaks. I got my Rubik's cube. I've got my books. I got my journals. Like yeah. I don't mind taking breaks at all. I just, I just, you know, I just never know when to take breaks sometimes. Right. So, you know, I think, yeah, there's a bit of coordinating I have to do. And, you know, I think just setting expectations and making them clear is, and is, is always, um, is always good and it, and it makes for a good trip. Yeah. So what do you notice when you're most uh, notice most when you're out hiking in the wilderness? Notice more the do you, like like do you notice more of the sounds the uh, like the trees, wildlife, uh, flowers, those sorts of things? Is there anything that stands out as something mm. that really resonates with you? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think I like multi-dimensional layers uh, hopefully that makes sense um for example in the redwoods if you are hiking on a trail and there's there's redwoods close to you they're larger but then because there's a clear view in the background um you have multi-layers of trees and as you walk everything's moving at different paces and so it's like five or six layers moving all at different times um this is very common in the desert as well like in canyons that have been carved out because the canyons are that are closer to you are moving at a certain speed and the ones that are farther away are also moving at a certain speed. Yeah. So I love those layers so much. Um, I got a gimbal specifically to like record the layers in a very smooth way. It, oh, layers are great. So Speaking of, oh, oh yeah, sorry. Um, gimbal is a, it's, <laughs> I don't have the exact definition, but it's like a handheld device um, that has some like gyros and motors in it. So as you're walking and moving and panning, it's not yeah. jerky. It kind of smooths it out. So it kind of has a very natural feel to it. Because when you're hiking and you're recording, you know, that's how you're trying to capture it to remember it. But yeah. it just looks so terrible <laughs> when you're when you're doing that. Or if you try to fix it in post, it kind of really reduces the screen a little bit. But having a gimbal kind of really smooths that out. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Are there any other must must bring with you uh, devices or? or oh, I've actually never brought a gimbal backpacking. I've only brought it like car camping and day hiking. Yeah. Um, go to devices or must have devices. I think the only one that I would recommend is just having a good offline GPS map. That's about it. Um, I'm not. I mean, you know me, you've been on trips with me. I've carried way too many books. Uh, I yeah. do love books. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I mean, I think a Kindle is smart to do, but um, I don't know. When I'm going out camping and backpacking, I'm so busy all the time. I, I don't really have too much time. But go-to device, definitely a, a, a GPS. Um, kind of makes your map obsolete a little bit, uh, but it's always good to have a a backup map just in case your your phone does not work. Right. Yeah, I, I met on the PCT at one point that I met a guy who uh, had lost his phone in the snow. Or, uh, I, I don't remember if it was broken or if he lost it, but uh, he that was his only map. So he was waiting at every trail junction for some other hiker to come along and tell him which way he needed to go next. Oh, I, man. Oh, man, what a way to slow down your hike. Yeah. 
I did want to add one point about things yeah. I noticed in uh, nature. So yeah. I think the one of the things that I love the most is more about layers, like uh, sunset layers um, specifically. Yeah. Like if you're high up on a mountain ridge and you look out in the distance, um, you'll see yeah. usually, especially here in California, you, the way that plates are formed, there, there's a lot of ridges back and forth and back and forth. And they're at different distances and with kind of like, I don't know, it, it could just be like the dust layers or just the way the air quality is mixed with sunlight, like especially falling sunlight, like yeah. the layers just, they just, the colors just change like crazy. Like the, the gradients are insane. Like every single like ridge layer is a different color. Yeah. And I think those are all super special. And it's just like, how does nature make this? And yeah. just seeing all those different colors at the same time, and you've seen me kind of go up to just wake up really early or, you know, go up to, you know, sunset and just like start taking photos of, of those different layers. Um, yeah. 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 So, uh, so that, that reminds me actually of our, our recent trip to the Yolaboli wilderness, mm -hmm. uh, which for anybody that doesn't know about that, it's this uh, really not well-known section of California. Uh, we went out there. And I think there was one other person somewhere on the trail that was day hiking, but we didn't actually run into them. Uh, and so we had that whole place to ourselves for uh, for the night that we were there. But that I was thinking that's our shortest backpacking trip that we've ever taken. Um, <laughs> I think we did a total of six miles. Yeah. Um, what about the longest backpacking trip you've ever taken? The longest? I mean, the JMT is, um, at least for me, the kind of one of the longer ones that I've done um yeah it's just like I think the first time I did it I think it was like in 19 days um yeah. it was really foolish started on the uh the south side near Whitney in during a high snow season and and then just went north toward Yosemite and we just had snow for like 10 days and wasn't weren't really thinking about it we had external backpacks our packs were like 55 pounds I mean we were young um and but it was fun we made it uh, but that that was always that was always really great. But before getting into the Jamir Trail, I think the longest ones were uh, about um, at Philmont Scout Ranch. There it's like this um, in Boy Scouts. There's these high adventure camps um, where uh, there's this property in New Mexico somewhere on the Rocky Mountains, and you just go on these 10-day backpacking trips. And that's kind of where I got into multi-day backpacking. And I think that for me is just it's just if you've never been like multi-day backpacking and I and when I say multi-day backpacking I say at least like five or six nights like yeah. you haven't really experienced like all that backpacking has to deliver because at least for me like my mind doesn't change until that point like it's it turns off and not only after going five or six days it turns off but realizing that there's five or six days more more to go my brain just doesn't turn back on in the way that I am in the normal city. So going on those those huge long trips is definitely an experience um, to do, to have. Yeah, I totally agree. That there's, there's definitely something about when you get out there for a period of time, you kind of have to let the, let civilization go. You know, like it's like your brain takes a while to just kind of process everything. And then usually we're already kind of thinking ahead to what the next thing we have mm -hmm. to do is. 
But once you get out there a certain amount of time, your brain stops worrying about that. And that's when, when everything really, I feel like, releases inside of us. And we really start to get um, get to the center of, of who we are rather than how we're affected by everything around us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Very, very interesting, I guess, sort of philosophical, meditative state uh, that I always find I, I get into. And it takes, yeah, it takes usually about five or six days before I'm really into it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, having that extra time to just stay in that state as well. Because if you're like going to end in five, if it's only five or six days and you're in the state and you only have one day in that state, it's like, oh man, you're ready, you're ready, like chomping at the bit to like get back out and get back to the normal oh. things. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. I think that's probably a good place for us to leave it. So I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, yeah. Could I throw in one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, I think one of the the things for me about backpacking, um, I, I think you mentioned this earlier about like city and like wilderness balance basically. Yeah. And so I think for me, the one of the things that's really important that I realized after the fact is that when I go up, out backpacking once a month, it's really important for like my mental health balance um, just because the act of organizing a trip and going on a trip, you have to like wrap up everything that you're doing on a day-to-day basis, at least for myself with running my businesses yeah. and, and, and say like, Hey, it's going to be on autopilot. And then I'm going to go out to the woods and things are going to have to like work out by themselves without me there. Yeah. And so by, by having the ability to always like, okay, life can always be paused and played again, like getting that really getting those processes worked out and knowing that like, I have to pause and play it is a really great, um, I guess, perspective. Cause I, I think recently this, this last year, especially when winter time hits and you know, the, the, it just gets darker all the time. You're a tent for too long. I, I don't get, you know, I've been doing a lot more day hiking than backpacking yeah. and, um, I wasn't pausing and playing as much. And I noticed that, you know, when you're not doing that or when I'm not doing that, I just feel like it's just going on and on and on. Like, Oh my gosh, how am I ever going to remove myself from, from this, this daily grind basically. And so, right. so kind of going to the wilderness is kind of has a, that therapeutic effect for me and kind of that balanced restoration for myself as well. Yeah. Awesome. Totally agree. Yeah. Great. Well, let's leave it there. So thanks so much, James. All right, cool. Thank you, Nick.